There we go. Good morning. We want to say welcome to Broadway 1109. We are so thankful that you are here and glad that you're here with us this morning. As we worship together this morning, we're going to begin by reading out of God's Word together. We're going to be reading in Exodus chapter 10, excuse me, chapter 14, uh, starting in verse 10. To give you a little bit of a, of a uh, backstory of what's going on here, uh, the Lord has led the Israelites out of Egypt. They've escaped from, from Pharaoh out of slavery, and they have reached the, the, uh, the Red Sea where they can no longer go any further to escape Pharaoh's army. So look what happens here, starting in verse 10. The words are on the screen if you want to follow along. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us in bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone so that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. And watch what Moses says here. Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. And watch what happens here in verse 14. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. We're going to introduce a new song this morning. It's called Champion. Would you stand with us as we rest in that truth that the Lord fights for us? this morning. Him. 
be seated for a moment. We are thankful that you are here this morning. Glad that you joined us here at Broadway 1109. We want to say welcome to you, especially if you're a guest, if you're new with us here this morning. Uh, we hope you got a bulletin on your way in. If you did, you'll notice that there's a little perforated tab on the edge of that bulletin. Now, that's our way of getting to know you a little bit better. So we simply ask that you would fill that out, tear it off, and you can drop it in the offering basket here in just a few moments. Or if you missed that, that's okay. We've got a second chance for you to drop it off to us. You can leave it at our welcome desk located in the back of our sanctuary. That's also where you're going to find a lot of key information about uh, directions around our church, different Sunday school classes to join, things of that nature. So we'd encourage you to stop by there and check that out after service this morning. Uh, we are thankful that you're here. We hope you're reading your bulletins and the screens as you come in and exit our, our facilities uh, so that you can stay up to date and in the know and all that's going on here at Broadway, we are excited about what God's doing and the things that we have going on. And so we want you to be a part of that with us. Let's pray together as we continue to worship and then we're going to sing some more. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that you have given us another opportunity to be in your house. Lord, we thank you that you're our champion, that you fight for us. Lord, the victory is assured. Lord, we've read the end of the book and we know that you win. And so God, we praise you for your mightiness. Lord, we love you. We thank you for Jesus who makes all of this possible. It's in his powerful name that we pray. Amen. Would you stand with us as we continue to sing together this morning? Failing love, 
Just a moment. Just bow our heads as we take our offering today. Jesus, we thank you so much for this day you've blessed us with. Father God in heaven, we can't praise you enough for the sacrifice that was made for us on the cross. Dear Lord, you created us for a purpose, and today we're here for that purpose. Let each heart praise you, and as we Give, let us cheerfully give to support the work of the kingdom that you would have us to do. And all this we pray this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. count on one thing the same God that never fails will not fail me now you won't fail me now in the waiting the same God who's never late is working all things out working all things out oh yes I will you hide in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. Oh, 
Won't you stand and join us as we sing together this morning? I count on one thing. The same God that never fails will not fail me now. You won't fail me now in the waiting. The same God who's never late is working all things out. You're working all things out. Oh, yes, I will lift you high in the lowest valley. Yes, I will bless your name. Oh, yes, I will sing for joy when my heart is heavy. Oh, pray that that is the confession of our hearts, that for all of our days, Lord, we sing your praises. Because, Jesus, we know that you are the only one who's worthy of all of it. God, we love you. We praise you for who you are. And we thank you that you're our sustainer, even in the valleys. God, we love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. Here in, here in northern Michigan, uh, the spiritual surveys showed about, in 2000, about 50% had no religious affiliation whatsoever. And then 2010, it was something like 75%. The trend lines are not going in the right direction. So what we, what we recognized is that we, there were a lot of people that were going to a Christless eternity. And it's great to be able to, as a church plant, look at some programs that are successful elsewhere and say, hey, you know what? As God's moving you guys this way, look what they're doing and let us help, help, us, you know, help us dream. Now, what could we do? She said, hey, you know what? We're doing this Children's Missions Day uh, and what we're going to do is we want to do baskets for veterans and you're a veteran. Would you be willing to come over and talk to us about veterans? And then, you know, maybe would you be able to find some place for the vet veterans thing? And I was like, fantastic. Everybody that came in, we said, hey, there's, there's a local church that's thinking about you guys. If you'd like to take a fruit basket, take a fruit basket. So then I came back to our church. I said, hey, listen, church. Uh, 
This is something we did from the orchard. We used the, the WMU there. They had a children's mission day and they did this thing and then I was able to give the baskets out. I think we could do it here. And I think it's something we could do fairly, fairly often. I want to try it once a week. Can we make seven baskets a week? Is that something that we can do? And, uh, and they said, yeah, let's, let's go ahead and do that. So we, that's what we did. So we started out with the VA uh, going there, recognizing the, the sacrifice of the former military uh, members there. And then we've broadened it since then. serving others. It's not only helping the, the person you're serving, but it really is fulfilling your, your love um, that God instills in you. We'll have all the kids sit down and we have kind of a stock card and then the kids will draw a picture and they'll scrawl out a little message. It's by making a, a really stock card that around the framework says Jesus loves you. I know that the message is gonna go out there. I do include on the back of it, I include a little information that it's come, come from True North Community Church. And I do put a little blurb there. I say, hey, listen, if you don't have a church a family to be part of, you're welcome to stop by. We have services at, at nine and, and 11 on Sunday, and here's our address. And I do give a link to our website and say, hey, you know what, we want to drop off some fruit baskets to show that we really respect and, and we, we're, we're thinking about you, we're praying for you, and just want you to know, you know, we love you and so does Jesus. We do something very similar to that on Wednesday nights here and uh, with our children in, uh, children in Action, our CIA group. Also, our women's ministry, even yesterday, we go down to the Thompson Hood Veterans Center and uh, go minister to the residents there, there in Wilmore. So it's very encouraging to see how uh, different veteran centers and different opportunities for missions. But that is uh, extremely similar. It's exciting to see what um, uh, Children in Action, as well as our mission friends, other churches participate in as well. But um, I wanted to certainly highlight that as well, mention that one of the things going on. Next Sunday, I wanted to tell you, parents especially, uh, next Sunday is kind of what we call Youth Sunday. It's called D-Now. D-Now is a discipleship intensive in this church. And we usually do it like the first weekend in March. So if you are, or you have middle or high schoolers, this is their, your weekend now. What this means is, on beginning Friday night all the way through Sunday morning, middle and high schoolers will be staying in host homes, and they will have the opportunity to uh, hear. Uh, we have a gentleman came, Josh McClanahan. He's coming, McClellan. He's coming from Oklahoma. This is the third year in a row, Josh. He'll be preaching next Sunday. We preach in both morning services, as well as we have a guest band called Behold the King, who will be coming down from... Uh, their names are David and Amber Skaggs from Frankfurt, so we're very encouraged to hear about them. But this is an exciting weekend. Next week, uh, you'll have your t-shirts, so you want to wear your D-Now t-shirts to church next week. So uh, that's going on. If you have not signed up yet, you want to let Zach Bauer know. Zach, raise your hand there. Zach's our youth pastor here, and this is for you. It's a big weekend. We've been, he's been planning it. Certainly want to invite you to come. Sharing our host home so the middle school boys will be over at our house 
So we'll have lots of fun for that. So I did want to uh, encourage you uh, to sign up today for D-Now. Open your Bibles to the book of John, John chapter 18. This is the fourth and final part of a sermon series we've been going through the entire month of February. It's called Restore. And what we've been talking about is looking at when you have broken relationships or maybe things haven't gone right with certain folks, how the ministry of reconciliation and forgiveness is so vitally important for us as believers. And I believe the story we're about to read is probably the most famous of all restoration story in all the scriptures. And this is the story of Jesus restoring Peter. If you remember, I want to give you some background information. Go ahead, you have your bulletin. Pull out your uh, bulletin insert. You can follow along. Peter was a fisherman. In fact, uh, four out of the 12 disciples, one-third, were fishermen. Do we have any fishermen here? Anybody else? Two? Three. Three fishermen. So we almost have as many fishermen here as there were disciples. They had four. Four of them were four out of the twelve. So our percentage is not quite one-third of us here. But um, Peter was one of these guys that um, was a real just, uh, he spoke very boldly, maybe before he thought. He just blurted things out. Didn't really care what you thought. Uh, he didn't care if he offended you. I mean, he was just one of those guys. Um, and what happened was, he had a brother named Andrew. And when it was time to call the disciples, Peter or Jesus came along to see a Galilee where the fishermen were. And these guys, really, Peter and Andrew, were casting their nets. And, and Jesus looks at them and says, Guys, I want you from now on to start following me. They literally said, their daddy owned a fishing business, they dropped their nets and followed Jesus. And they left daddy's business and became a disciple. And they began for the next three years following Jesus Christ. And Peter especially was unique because he became the leader of the disciples. Of those 12 men, he was the uh, probably the most important and really most influential of the 12. Well, what happened is Jesus got closer and closer to his death. He told Peter and the other disciples that he was going to be arrested and he was going to die. And Peter was one of those guys that just blurted things out, informed Jesus that no, he was not going to die, that he would, um, he would defend him and that he would die in place of Jesus. And he would be willing to, willing to die for Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and says, No, Peter, you don't know what you're talking about. In fact, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter blew that off and said, Jesus, you don't even know what you're talking about. I'm a strong man. I'm not going to deny you. I'm one of those guys that if I give you my word, I'll do it. I'll beat people up. I'm not afraid of anything. I mean, he was just that type of guy. Uh, just, a, just a rough guy. Well, we're going to pick up of where Jesus was right. Peter all of a sudden realizes Jesus is arrested. And now we're going to see Peter's response. So turn in your Bible here. John chapter 18, verse 15. Simon Peter was following Jesus. Jesus had been arrested. As was another disciple. That disciple is an acquaintance of the high priest. 
So he went, into Je- he, he went with Jesus into the high priest's courtyard. This other disciple is John. John happened to know the high priest. Verse 16, but Peter remained outside standing by the door. So the other disciple, the one known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the girl who was the doorkeeper and brought Peter in. John, he wrote the Gospel of John right here, and he was pretty, um, pretty arrogant in his writing. If you ever notice, if you read the Gospel of John, he's known as the disciple whom Jesus loved. As well as that, he just want to let everybody know that he was an acquaintance of the high priest, and he got to go inside the courtyard, whereas Peter didn't quite have the connections John did, so he had to wait outside the door. But since John was so influential, he sent word to the servant girl, hey, We'll let in this little low-life guy, Peter, so he got to come in as well. So now, thanks to John, Peter got to come into the courtyard. That was kind of some narration that you can kind of read into this here, that John is just letting him know that who he is. So Peter got lucky, and he got in the door. Verse 17, Then the servant girl, who was the doorkeeper, said to Peter, You are one of the, this man's disciples too, are you? Meaning, are you, are you a disciple? Now, we have to remember a servant girl. She had very minimum influence. She was a doorkeeper. She was probably right above being a slave. I mean, she was a maid. So why would Peter not care? Why would he want to lie to her? So let's see what happened. Right apart, verse 17. I am not, he said. Now... The servants and the officials had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. They were standing there warming themselves, and Peter was standing with them warming himself. So there, right there, he lied. He was embarrassed to be a follower. Could you imagine denying Jesus in front of somebody who really just didn't matter? What, what he said is essentially, is somebody came up to us, like a child and says, are you a Christian? We're saying, no, I'm, I'm not a Christian. Do you believe the Bible? Nope, I, I don't believe this book. I don't follow Jesus. And you're telling this to a middle schooler. So why, why, would, you, why would you even care to lie about that? But Peter did, because Jesus' words are going to come true. All right, skip down in your Bible here. Stay in chapter 18. Look at verse 25. This is the second and third time, because Jesus said it was going to happen three times. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. They said to him, You aren't one of his disciples too, are you? He denied it and says, I am not. One of the high priest's servants, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, now, when Jesus was being arrested, Peter was one of those guys that, as you were arresting, as Jesus was being arrested, he pulled out his sword and he swung for the head of the folks who were arresting Jesus. The guy ducked, his name was Malchus, in his ear and cut his ear off. You know what Jesus did? He touched the man's ear and he was healed right then. So that man definitely knew Jesus was the Messiah because he just performed a healing while he was being arrested. Now remember, Peter wasn't swinging for the ear. He was swinging for the head. 
So Peter was at really an attempted murder charge at the arrest. This is in the Garden of Gethsemane, trying to kill the high priest's servants who were arresting Jesus. And now one of their servants there, for the third time, is asking, Are, are you a disciple? And look what Peter says. Didn't I see, latter part of verse 26, didn't I see you with him in the garden? I mean, I, I was there. You're one of the guys. Peter denied it again. Immediately, a rooster crowed. Matthew's account of this. This is John's account. In Matthew's account, it says at that moment when that rooster crowed, Jesus was passing by. And they made eye contact. Peter looked up and Jesus looked at him. And he remembered the words just a few hours earlier that Jesus said, you will deny me three times. And the Bible says, Peter went out and wept bitterly. And do you want to, do you want to know what happened? Peter was nowhere to be found during the crucifixion. We don't ever see Peter at the cross. We do see John. We see Mary. Peter's not there. We don't see Peter again until after the resurrection. He shows up at the empty tomb. But Peter, what happens? Let's go ahead and flip in your Bible over to chapter 21. Peter, his whole life fell apart at this point. Think about it. Everything Jesus said was right. He denied him. He was embarrassed. He thrown in the towel. Jesus was right. And what Peter did, and we won't read it, but the first part of chapter 21, remember, Peter's a fisherman. That's very important. Peter literally dropped his net and followed Jesus. He hadn't been fishing for three years. But in chapter 21... When he was no longer a disciple, do you know what Peter started doing again? He picked back up the net. He went back to his old lifestyle. He kind of thought, you know, I guess I'm done being a disciple. I guess I'm finished with following Jesus. Jesus probably gave up on me. So I just go back to my old life of doing what I used to do. And what was that? It was fishing. He reverted back to his old ways. This is kind of like in our life. Maybe when someone's fallen out of church, they've gotten out of the habit of attending church, and attending church is a habit. And it takes about three or four weeks to form a habit. You, start, you want to start coming to church, you come here about a month. And then you'll start getting in the habit every Sunday of coming to church. Start coming to Sunday school, you get in the habit of doing that. Our whole life is habits. But Peter... Jesus was gone. He had denied him, so he needed a new habit. Well, I guess, I guess I'll go back to the old Sea of Galilee and pick those nets back up and go back to my old way of life. And that's what he was doing. And he went fishing. And they would fish at night. And the reason why the fishermen would fish at night is because in the morning, he wanted to sell his fresh fish to the market. So it would always be in the morning, you want, when you go to sell your fish, you want fresh fish. You didn't want old leftover fish. So you fish at night, then have all your fish in the morning and go deliver them. 
So they had fished all night, and they caught nothing. Isn't it embarrassing to go fishing and catch nothing? Uh, last time I took, I think I took Benjamin fishing in October, literally after one five minutes, not even, one, even ten minutes, five minutes, they're, they're done. They won't play with the iPad and play with the phone. It's just boring. The attention span. Fishing is, you have to have patience with fishing. And you just wait and wait and wait. And uh, if you're good, you catch stuff. But uh, these poor guys, I mean, they were a little rusty. It had been three years, and they had caught nothing. And all of a sudden, this guy yells at them to throw their nets on the right side of the boat. Now, that's if, if you're a professional fisherman, and you, but they couldn't see him because it's early in the morning, you don't want somebody in a 300, 300 yards off or 100 yards off, 300 feet, and you can't really make that person out, but there's a guy on the shore telling me to throw my net on the other side of the boat. Now, I'm fishing on this side of the boat. If I go 10 feet over here and throw my net, come on now, like, like are all the fish on that side? But anyway, they did it. They threw their nets on the right side of the boat, and they caught, listen to this, they counted the fish. They caught so many fish, they counted 153. They couldn't even pull the nets into the boat. So then they realized that guy on the shore, because this was a miracle, there were no fish in the water at that time, they felt like. If you've been fishing and you're calling things, okay, somebody's killed all the fish, or they all died, or they know where I'm at, like something's wrong right here. But apparently Jesus knows where all the fish are, so now we can't even, the nets are breaking. So they're going to start bringing the like the, the fish are going to swim to shore and pull the boat into there. Peter realizes, remember, Peter hasn't seen Jesus yet. Last time he saw Jesus, he made eye contact. He denied him. I mean, he was embarrassed. And here's this man in the miracle. He puts his cloak on, his, his big overcoat, and he jumps in the water. John, the other fishermen are like, I'm not getting wet. We're going to row, I mean, you know, we're going to see, Peter's like, watch me swim to shore. And so we'll have a race now to shore to see who can get to Jesus faster. And probably the other guys are like, guys, we're only 300 feet. Like, we could just row the thing three, three or four times and be right there. So Peter's like, watch me, I'll beat you to the shore. So he, he swam to shore, and Peter made it. And he's standing there soaking wet, and there's Jesus on the shore, and he's already got some fish. So if you ever wake up in the morning and you eat fish for breakfast, you identify with Jesus because Jesus ate fish for breakfast. And we don't know where Jesus got his fish, but he's like, well, bring me some of your fish too, and we'll have a lot of, of big fish fry here at 6.30 in the morning on the Sea of Galilee. Anyway, that's what they do. But something had to happen. This wasn't just a fishing story. You know what the story's about? Jesus is about to bring something up. Because have you ever, have you ever had a situation where you have somebody at work or a family member, and they do or say something that was off the wall, they lost their cool, they went crazy on you, and like, well, I have no clue where that came from. That came out of left field. But you have to address it because it's the elephant in the room. Like, you just can't let it sweep it under the rug. Well, that's kind of what we had over here. Peter's standing here soaking wet, dripping in water, like jumped in with his coat on, and he's standing there drenched in water, and Jesus is eating his fish, and here comes other guys with 153 fish, 
And like the net's all broke, and like it was the greatest fishing trip we've ever been on in our life. And now we're about to have a conversation because Jesus has got to talk to Peter. And I, that's where the main focus of today's message is on. This is the greatest restoration story in the world because when someone has sinned against you or you've sinned against someone else, there has been a break of trust. Someone's done something. You cannot just pretend it didn't happen. Healing comes from the conversation. Someone has to be reinstated. Someone has to say, I'm sorry. Someone has to say, will you forgive me? We've got to move forward with this. And Peter, you know, he's, he feels awkward. He doesn't know what to do. I mean, this guy died and now he's alive again and he's eating fish and I'm soaking wet. What do we do? Jesus starts the conversation. So I want you to follow along. Here it is. We're in chapter 21, verse 15. Look at this. Greatest restoration. And when they had eaten breakfast, now everybody's around. Jesus asked Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And I want you all to know why Jesus said that question. Do you love me more than these? Peter's one of these guys. He's like, if he was a band member, he says, he'd be like, Chris, like, I'm better than these other players over here. If he was a basketball player, he'd be like, yeah, these are, these are, the, these are some teammates, but I, I'm better. He was one of those guys that makes comparisons, and he wanted to one-up you. So Jesus knew that. So he says, okay, Peter, if you're one of those guys, do you love me? More than these, these other disciples. I mean, I know you jumped out of the boat and you swam here. And you're soaking wet. But do you love me more than these? These other disciples. Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. And then Jesus said, feed my lambs. Alright, keep going. Verse 16. A second time he asked him. Simon, son of John. Do you love me? I mean, this is two times now. And remember, Peter denied Jesus publicly. Jesus is reinstating him publicly. There's sometimes some sins. They have to be publicly recommissioned or recommitted. And that's what Jesus is doing. He knows what he's doing here. He says... Simon, son, John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, he said to him. You know that I love you. Well, shepherd my sheep, he told him. All right, verse 17. He asked him a third time. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, at this point, you know, it's getting a little like, okay, like, do you need a hearing aid, Jesus? Like, is, you know, when you came back from the dead, did your hearing, did it not come alive? Like, did you, did you not get it? I mean, you know, it's getting a little embarrassing now. Three times. Peter was grieved that he asked him a third time. Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Do you all know why Jesus did this three times? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? Three times. Peter had to reinstate Jesus three times. He's recommissioning him for his three times that he denied him. 
He's saying, guys, Peter's back. Even though he completely failed me, even though y'all have given up on him and he grabbed his nets and he went back to his old lifestyle, I am recommissioning and putting this man back on the team. And do you know why he's telling him to feed my sheep, to feed my lamb, to shepherd my people? You know why he's saying that? This is the principle here. Jesus could have stuck it to Peter at this point. He could have, and we would have been tempted to do this. And we, go to, we go to someone that's let us down and go, I am so mad and angry. I can't believe you did this. You broke my trust. Why would you embarrass me that way? But the problem with doing that, when you bring up the past, you're looking backwards. You're looking back to the past. Jesus made Peter look forward. And when he made that statement, feed my sheep, that's a forward. He's commissioning him, saying, your future, Peter, it's no longer going to be known as that guy that denied me three times in front of the little servant girl by the, by the little charcoal fire. You're going to be known as that man that led the church, that preached the Pentecost sermon, the man that stood boldly in front of the Sanhedrin, the man that went to jail miraculously and the prison gates flew open. Peter never again denied Jesus. He was known for his future. This is a rededication, what's happening. We are known as believers, not from our past, folks. We're known for our future. God has something great for Peter. And he needed to be recommissioned. Do you know, yesterday, uh, I went to UK's campus. Little Daniel wants to be an engineer when he grows up, like a technology engineer, software engineer. So they had this thing called E-Day at UK's campus, and it's called Engineering Day. So I went to it yesterday, brought Dan Jr. It's in all their engineering buildings, and there's like 130 exhibitors, and it's in every single classroom. It's huge. There's like 1,000-plus people there. The place was packed. It was neat. And you go into different rooms, and the engineering students show you what they built and technology and interesting things. It was sponsored by Lexmark. Lexmark, as you know, makes printers. I found all this out yesterday. They make printers here in Lexington. They used to make inkjet printers, but they got out of that business. Now they only make um, toner or, or laser printers for businesses and, and home devices. Well, in the guy, they had all these Lexmark employees there. They had different printers showing you how they work and how technology is advanced in printers and how they can do anything and everything. And they had see-through printers and you could do it all. So you, you look at how they build a printer. You, and I, I'm just not an engineering guy. I'm just like, whatever. I mean, okay. Anyway, just, so, but some folks there were really fascinated with, um, I mean, it was getting to the point where you can now make a printer from another printer like a 3D printer can print out a regular printer. I mean, it just went on and on. You can print 3D guns. You can print iPad. I mean, it just goes on and on. What Technology just goes through the roof. And soon our clothes will be made by a printer. Anyway, <laughs> it, just, it, it, just, it was one of those future forward companies, uh, that, uh, things, uh, engineering day. Well, I'm there listening to these speeches and hearing what they're saying. But the guy from Lexmark says, you know, 
but we have some concerns because there's a problem on the horizon. We count the total number of piece of paper that's being used in the world. And he says, the whole world is now actually using less paper. It's now only using like 40 trillion pieces of paper. And it's now starting to slowly decline because the world's becoming more digital. So here we are as a company, Lexmark, and people are using less paper. But we print paper. So we recognize more people are going to digital devices and they're not printing as much as they used to. And he says our company's now trying to reevaluate the future knowing less paper throughout the universe is being used. So they're having to adjust their changes for the future. And I thought about that. That is exactly the way Lexmark is thinking, what's the future of printing and paper usage, is exactly what Jesus did to Peter when he said, feed my sheep. There will come a day, possibly, where you will not need to print as much paper or print any paper anymore. A paperless world. And Jesus is saying there's going to come a day for you as a disciple. You don't need to think about your past and how you denied me and how you failed me and how you have let me down. I want you to think about how you're going to serve me and what you're going to do in the future. Jesus recommissions us for the future. We are future forward believers. Christ has forgiven us. He died on the cross for us. Jesus' blood has washed us white as snow, dwelling on the past, thinking about things that we've done, our disappointments. It gets us nowhere. Rehashing it to other people, bringing up past disappointments and setbacks, it doesn't accomplish anything. Jesus could have stuck it to Peter, but he didn't. He says, Peter, from now on, you're going to be my disciple who's going to take the gospel in the book of Acts in the early church, and you're going to be bold. Look at these last couple of verses here, what Peter did. Look, look up there on the screen. Verse 17. Look what it says. Feed my sheep, Jesus said. And he continued, Truly I tell you, when you were younger, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you wanted. Meaning, Peter, you're one of those guys that used to do whatever you wanted to. It didn't matter what people said. You were just your own man, and you just did whatever you wanted to. But those days are changing. Now, when you grow old, you're going to stretch out your hand, and someone else will tie you and carry you where you don't want to go. Meaning, you used to do whatever you wanted, but those days will come to an end. He said this to indicate what type of death Peter would die that would glorify God. Do you know Peter? Church history records. The Bible doesn't record how Peter died. Do you know how church history records his death? That he was crucified upside down 30 years later. The remaining 30 years of Peter's life, he served the Lord. Do not miss these final words here. This is the most important sentence. What Jesus did. Remember those words three years earlier. He's holding his net fishing with daddy's fishing business with little brother Andrew. 
Jesus comes along and says, follow me. That's the discipleship call right there. Every time we have an invitation, Jesus is saying, follow me. After saying this, these three commissions, pointing them forward, Jesus didn't tell, didn't ask him. It says he told him, Peter, follow me. That's a rededication. This morning, when you have disappointed, you've sinned, you've done something wrong in the past, there's a break in trust or relationship. When you restore that, what you're doing is you are actually following Jesus by reconciliation to one another. You're becoming a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus and Peter had to have this conversation. It was the elephant in the room. It was awkward. Like we, we, ha we had to talk about it. You just can't pretend it didn't happen. Three times he recommissioned them. And by Jesus saying, follow me, he says, you are now part of the club. Pick up your Bible. And let's keep going. We're not going to fish for these fish anymore that you couldn't even catch anyway. We're going to start fishing for souls of men and women. If you are here this morning and you've sinned against the Lord, or you have, you have a breach in trust, or you've hurt someone else, your first step is to go to that person. Just like Jesus went to Peter. And say, I'm sorry. Brother, I love you. Let's make this right. We're going to start over again. And if they sin against you three times, you forgive them three times. Christ forgave Peter. He moved on. And he pushed them to forward to think, you're now a disciple, and you're going to start serving the Lord and feeding my sheep. This morning, if some of you have thrown the towel in, you are no longer in that habit of going to church. You haven't committed to Jesus and serving in his local church. You know, Peter was the foundation of the church. He was the rock that he built every church on. When you commit to Jesus, you are committing to following him forever. And that's how we're going to close this service. Chris, I'll invite the band to come forward. With this entire month, we've been talking about reconciliation and being restored to the Lord. And Christ is asking you this morning, will you recommit to Jesus. And the gospel call started when Jesus comes to you and says, will you follow me? Will you give your life? Will you give your heart to me? And if you've wandered away, he's asking that question again this morning. We rededicate ourselves just like Peter. And in his remaining 30 years, he continued to serve. And he was a completely different man. God is in the business of restoring us and setting our feet forward and pointing us to the future. Let's stand together. Our band's going to have an invitation. We close every single service here at Broadway with a time of response. I'm going to be standing down front waiting for you to follow Jesus.
Oh God, how I need 